This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Oops, we did it again. We played with your heart. We did not bring you a brand new episode of Finsider Radio yesterday afternoon. And for that, we are sorry. We are back in the saddle today and ready to discuss Sunday's 45-17 bloodbath versus Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. We may even have a few other issues to discuss. But first, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, I can't believe you just used some Britney Spears on us. You could even say the Finns lost the game. Uh, and kept it going a little bit, but but you let us down there. But I'll, I'll let that one side. Damn, it's that, funny, Josh. That'd been much better. That'd been much. Better. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we're sitting here. The Dolphins are one and four. They got shellacked by the Bucks, forty-five to seventeen, and uh, dumbass island mountain, whatever we decided we're on. It's pr- looking pretty vacant right now. That that's the best way to say it. And Josh, I think it's a little interesting because. After every loss, I think we kind of say the same thing. We're going to come in here and, you know, we're not going to record too long, but then we end up still kind of going the distance uh, of making this a normal size pod. And it made me think about what I heard from uh, what Barry Jackson tweeted yesterday. And it was, if Dolphin fans are fed up with all the personnel mistakes and head scratching decisions, you should hear our discussions in the media room with Omar Kelly, Joe Shad, and the rest of us. We want to cover a winning team as the much as you want one. More readers, more interest. And I just want to say to everyone that's very long-winded, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for putting up with their nonsense as much as our nonsense. So um, let's get into it, Josh. This was a this was a pretty miserable Sunday, despite it um, didn't feel horrible from the start. No, you know, at first the offense kind of did some nice things. We thought we might actually have a chance in this one, but then it was the defense that let us down. Um, some good things on offense, but that defense needed to do much better, Jake. 
Yeah, and before the game, we kind of spoke about how the offense is going to need to take risks, and they didn't really do that. They were had some success passing the ball. It was a lot of dink and dunk. Miles Gaskin had 10 receptions. Uh, but it was kind of what you expected. You needed to find ways to score touchdowns. I think it was Tony Romo talking about how often the Dolphins needed a pass on first down, and it finally you know, took them four games to get someone like Miles Gaskin involved, having one of his best performances with Miami's two touchdowns on the day. And Josh, a lot of that was because of the offensive line, and I want to start there because I think this is the most interesting thing uh this is something we spoke about a little bit we always knew austin jackson only as a left tackle but we asked a couple times and there really wasn't an answer out there is can he move inside can he play guard and josh this thing's twofold because not only did you have liam eichenberg at tackle left tackle where he was week one against new england where he had a strong performance and the dolphins won that game uh you had austin jackson move into left guard he was okay. He had no penalties. I think his PFF grade was like a 65. Uh, but but generally speaking, Josh, when you see that no penalties, that's you know instantly getting 30 yards for the sake of uh, you know whether it's a holding and a personal foul, whatever it may be. And I guess my big question is why did this take so long to be something that the Dolphins are willing to try? I wonder if the Dolphins maybe had to mail out the paperwork or something and wait three weeks in order to make sure it was clear that Austin Jackson could move all the way from left tackle to left guard. I may or may not have snorted out loud when I read that because I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. But, uh, Jake, you know, we did talk about it. I think you were the one that suggested, you know, moving Austin Jackson to left guard. I mean, we both had that question. You know, is this something that's possible? You know, is this that simple as moving a guy that's not so good on the edge inside? And, you know, we saw a much better performance. I pulled up Ryan Smith from Pro Football Focus. The actual numbers, he had a 76.1 run blocking grade. Again, he was bad against the pass with a 48.9, but he earned an overall grade of 65.5. And like you said, the biggest key or the biggest difference was he did not have any of those costly mistakes. Looked much better, but again, we got to temper expectations because, uh, you know, one game isn't going to defy Austin Jackson's career. I love the move to Eichenberg at left tackle. I mean, that's something, again, I think we talked about on a few podcasts. I mean, that was his natural position mm -hmm. in college. Why have him playing on the right side? I still am a little uncertain about Jesse Davis. Um, you know, and by uncertain, I mean scared shitless if Tua Valoa <laughs> comes back this week and he's still out there on the right side. I mean, I don't know why it's not as simple as moving Robert Hunt out there. But again, that could just open up a whole nother um, issue there at guard. But uh, Jesse Davis looks like the weak link right now, liked what I saw from Austin Jackson, but lots of work to be done still. Josh, and, you know, we have to be a little concerned, too, because there, it's not written in stone that this is something the Dolphins will stick with. You know, we've seen this coaching staff kind of see things work and then completely avoid them like a sickie. But here we are, Josh, kind of seeing this development. You see Liam Eichenberg actually living up to that second round pick, looking pretty strong on that left side. And you do have to wonder if you're going to try to move things a little bit uh, with Tua if he comes back, if you still have Jesse Davis at right tackle, with which is actually his blind side. So that's going to kind of be interesting to see that development and, and how we roll through there, Josh. Liam Eichenberg, he was the second greatest uh, – Second greatest. Liam Eichenberg was the second highest graded rookie uh, in week five. He had an overall grade of 76. I think you touched on this, his run blocking grade of 91, pass blocking grade of 64. And even with that, Josh, I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, Austin Jackson's grade wasn't incredible. Um, I, I think Greg Mann's score was was also not incredible. Robert Hunt, I think he had a 60. Uh, don't forget, you're facing Nadama Kinsu and Vita Vey up there in the middle. So I don't really want to use it as an excuse, but a 65 from Austin Jackson against that type of uh, competition, I'm happily going to settle with that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I guess what, um, you know, I'm kind of questioning right now is I'm looking at these run block grades. You know, Eichenberg, 91. I'm, I believe Austin Jackson's was up there in the 70s. I mean, they have success running the football, it seems, but they continue to abandon it. It looks like a uh, total. The Dolphins rushed the ball nine times for 39 yards. 
That was 4.3 yards per carry. Obviously, Miles Gaskin led the way with five carries for 25 yards. But I mean, Jake, it goes back to what we continue to say. You know, um, you know, they're not sustaining drives. They're not allowing that offense to continue to run the football. I mean, at times when it is having success, they just completely seem to abandon it. And again, I'm sure having your back against the wall against Tom Brady is just going out there lighting on the world on fire has a lot to do with it. But only running the ball nine times. I mean, can you even have success right. in the NFL if you're only running the ball nine times? Well, it goes back to one of our favorite cliches, and that's uh, running the ball through the air. And that's kind of what they did with Miles Gaskin. You look at the fact that he caught all 10 of the targets that came his way. This was something the Dolphins schemed in, and this was a way just kind of get him the ball away from that defensive line. And they did a pretty good job with it. On the ground, he did have five carries for 25 yards. You would like to kind of keep the clock moving a little bit more. But Josh Gaskin overall, he played 70% of the offensive snaps. Is this something that was built specifically for this uh, game, or is this kind of what the offense is going to look like when Tua returns? Is this kind of a step towards what the finished product is going to be when he returns? Just for the sake of overall, this offense looked a lot different, and that could just be the injuries the Dolphins are dealing with, whether that's Will Fuller or Devontae Parker, but I mean, it was a cleaner unit we saw yesterday. It really was, Jake, and I don't want to harp on the running the football too much, but I don't know if you saw the video circulating all week long about the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, basically saying yeah. you run the football to, you know, be physical and to, to assert your dominance almost in that game. So um, that's why I guess I want to see the Dolphins do more running the football. But Jake, I mean, 10 catches from Miles Gaskin. I mean, this wouldn't have happened with Malcolm Brown in the game. I mean, and that was our biggest head scratcher, no, no. you know, for the first few weeks is why the hell is Malcolm Brown out there? I love that they got Miles Gaskin involved. Love that he was at security blanket. I mean, 10 of 10 targets. I mean, called everything thrown his way 74 yards like you mentioned had the two touchdowns I mean he was a difference maker hopefully you know they're not dependent on those dinks and dunks as much when Tua Tonvalo is in the game but when you have a guy like Miles Gaskin who can be that security blanket you know I was going to throw Mike Kosicki out there because I'd like to see him become that security blanket as well but um, love the way they use Miles mm -hmm. Gaskin obviously would like to run the ball more but um, he's definitely RB1 in my opinion. And Josh, I want to talk about Preston Williams here for a second, because the world is crumbling for the Miami Dolphins right now. I mean, Stephen Ross, I think he, there's a chance he wants to become the first uh, owner to leave two coaches in London. I think he'd love to have that step, but I'm not necessarily sure I'm ready that this team is completely ready to bottom out, Josh. Uh, I want to bring up the fact that the Dolphins were one in three last year as of Sunday, October 4th. Yes, they're one in four right now as of October 12th. But after that, Josh, is when the winning streak started with five straight. I know the Dolphins have the Bills coming in a couple weeks. But I have to say, the connection that I'm going, we're going to see from Tua to Preston Williams that's going to hopefully start in this Jacksonville Jaguars game is going to be incredibly exciting. Because you look at what Williams did on Sunday, being a part-time player, despite the fact he did, have, uh, he did play in 74% of snaps, he had three catches on five targets for 69 yards. Josh. That's a 20-yard per reception clip, and I can't think of the last time anyone on the Dolphins has ever had that. So that is probably my biggest um, takeaway from this game against the Bucs. I know we all kind of felt that this is a game the Dolphins will likely lose, will likely be 1-4, but, man, Preston Williams looked like a game-changer out there. He did. And, you know, I mean, I've hyped him up. A lot of people have hyped him up over the years and he just was a disappointment. But I mean, you can kind of see how he's that similar mold of a Devontae Parker where he fits, you know, quote unquote, again, that number one receiver. He filled in really well, you know, with him out. And Jake, you mentioned the connection with Tua Tungvaloa. We all think back to that four catch, his 60 yard performance uh, versus the Arizona Cardinals before he had suffered that injury. So I'm mm -hmm. excited to see what Preston Williams can bring to the table. It makes you wonder why, you know, he's been on the sidelines inactive, I think, the previous week. I mean, when you're struggling at wide receiver, when 
you need those big plays, why not let Preston Williams go out there and do what he did? I mean, again, it was an awesome performance by him, but when you look at the rest of the receiving core, Jake, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I was a little underwhelmed with Jalen Waddle. I mean, we continue to talk about his usage. We can talk about that until we're blue in the face, but he caught two of six targets for 31 yards. The one bounced right off his hands for the interception. I think I made a comment, you know, get him some stick him, get him some, get him a glue stick or something, <laughs> yep. because I mean, it, not all the balls were in perfect locations. I know he dropped one down at the end zone that some people, you know, are putting the blame on Brissett, whatever it is. If your hands touch the football, I feel like you got to catch it. Need, need to see more out of Jalen Waddle. Josh, I have to say, too, I kind of had the illogical Dolphin fan talk about Justin Herbert. You know, I can't really enjoy Justin Herbert because the Dolphins picked Tua. Uh, I'm getting incredibly concerned. I know we're only five games in, but when you see what Devontae Smith has done, which I wouldn't say is world-breaking, but then you bring in Jamar Chase, and then you see what Jalen Waddle has done. Obviously, I think the game plan hasn't always been in his favor. You think about the safety. You think uh, he had, what, five yards of reception one week. Uh, but, man, this is, this is you know, we start with Preston Williams to bring up the fact I'm a little concerned about Jalen Waddle. The talent's still there. I'm not calling him a bust, but I, I'm the hand is near the panic button. And something I think we should say out loud is why did why were we so excited that the Jaguars had the same opinion as our favorite football team. I feel like the fact that they had Jalen Waddle as the number one receiver probably should have been more concerning, uh, just kind of based on how that franchise is doing. But I guess then you look at how the Dolphins are doing and everything sucks and I, all I feel is pain. I mean, that's just the fan in us, though. I mean, we see another team hyping them up and having this elite prospect. We're like, oh, yeah, they must be right. But, Jake, I'm definitely starting to get concerned. And, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, how quickly during this offseason, I don't know if you saw it throughout preseason, Dolphin fans were quick to jump on Jamar Chase for his drops issues. You know, quick yep. to say the Dolphins got it right. I mean, there's definitely some concern here. When you look at how dominant Jamar Chase is, again, Devontae Smith, they could have stayed put, man. I mean, we talked about in a previous podcast, they did not have to give up that first-round pick to move up there to, to get Jalen Waddle. They could have stayed put, let Devontae Smith farm to do whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of questions, but I, I can't point the finger at Jalen Waddle particularly, right. but you definitely want to see more out of the sixth overall pick this season. And speaking of seeing more, Josh, uh, Jalen Waddle, he played in 80% of Miami snaps. That was actually the most behind Brissett in the offensive line who played in 100%. Uh, despite the fact that CBS wanted to say Brissett was out of the game, I think 15 or 20 times it felt like. It seemed like Reed Sinet's coming in. They said that a few times, and it just seemed to never happen. Uh, trying to stir that pot just a little bit. But Josh, Mike Isicki played one less snap than Jalen Waddle, and that kind of blew my mind because it felt like this was another week where the Dolphins didn't get him involved. Uh, but that isn't the case. He caught four of seven targets for 43 yards. His seven targets was the second most on the team. And it just kind of, like I said, is a strange feeling where I'm sitting here and wondering, I feel like the Dolphins probably could have gotten him more involved despite being out there and being targeted as much as he was. Yeah, and I didn't get to go back and watch Coach's tape. It's still grayed out for whatever reason on Game Pass, but it did seem like he wasn't utilized, right, Jake? You don't know if the defense was taking that away. I mean, they had to come into this game expecting to try to shut down. I mean, one of the most dominant players if not the most dominant player on this offense. I mean, let's be honest, what we've seen Mike Kosicki become this year has been a star tight end. So, Jake, I would have liked to see him more involved. I guess my biggest question is, if this season continues to go south, is Mike Kosicki one of the first players another team might call, you know, to try to poach away? Because I forget who brought Good it point. up, but as soon as Max Williams went down, I've, I again, I forget who brought it up, but they I saw Arizona Cardinals and Mike Kosicki's name next to each other, and I said, oh, shit, that would be a match made in heaven. Just a thought, you know, for as dominant as Mike Kosicki's been, as much money as he's going to warrant on the open market, could you see him being a trade target, you know, as we approach that trade deadline? 
Mike Gesicki, Emmanuel Ogba, Devontae Parker. If the Dolphins lose to the Jaguars, I can kind of see this being the direction the Dolphins go. Those are players I could see other teams that are really interested in. Uh, but Josh, I think if we're going to go down that very, very dark hole, um, I think I want there to, I think I want there to be a guarantee that it will be someone else using these picks if the Dolphins continue to gain picks. I think that's where I'm at, at least. If that's the if we're gonna be horrible, I think we need to go and fully cleanse ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's what's so terrifying is you know, if you trade a Gesicki, yeah. if you trade away a Parker, and that's and a Agba, dark, dark, like I'm not yeah. saying we're there, and, but yeah, but, we're we're not there, but we're getting closer and we need to, you know, start to shift from the optimism to the darker side of us, I guess. But um, let's be honest, I'd much rather see uh, a Mike Gesicki contract extension come out than see him traded away because again, I think what we're seeing out of him this year, just you know, in years past, is a dominant tight end that again I don't think they're utilizing properly. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Josh, you mentioned the darkness, but the Dolphins' defense cannot cover anyone. That place is about as open as it can be, and that being the Miami Dolphins' secondary. And this is probably the biggest sign of concern that the Miami Dolphins are a little bit of a disaster. I mean, a four-game losing streak in the NFL is pretty hard to do things are really falling apart and I think it starts with the secondary and we're going to talk about how bad Xavier Howard and Byron Jones were but the thing I want to bring up first is the fact that we're seeing an interesting trend develop Javon Holland played 97% of snaps Brandon Jones played 74% of snaps uh combine that with the fact that Antonio Brown Chris Godwin Mike Evans were all making these catches and then running after the fact that to me is a sign that there should have been some sort of safety help and maybe it would have still been a huge game, but maybe saving touchdowns, different things like that. I mean, this is a little bit of a concern that the Dolphins don't seem to have that safety net back there. And Jake, and you've written down here and it's kind of something I really wanted to talk about because I've been thinking about it, you know, throughout the week, throughout this season is did the Dolphins, you know, get rid of some of those veteran talents, those leaders, you know, way too early. You got written down here, Bobby McCain. I mean, what could he do verbally before the snap to get those players lined up that we're not seeing? That's still taking Javon mm-hmm. Holland time to get accustomed to. I mean, yes, their play isn't, you know, up to par with what we're hoping for, but I do think a guy like Bobby McCain being back there in the secondary, I do think a guy like Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Loss, you know, in that defensive front seven could definitely help because, you know, we're talking about the secondary and we're going to sit here and go through the list and, and just bash on them. But, you know, it's, these inside linebackers in the run game that aren't doing their job. It's the lack of pass rush that we're seeing from an Andrew Van Ginkle and some of those other guys, you know, aren't truly getting to the quarterback. So it's going to be a long season if they keep this up, Jake, but that secondary this Sunday was an absolute shit show as you have written down here. Josh, and this is where you could kind of start the spin zone that, you know, I'm going to hope 
that the Dolphins were kind of using these last couple of games to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And then you see a team that is struggling as hard as the Jaguars. And it's weird to say, because I kind of think these teams are closely approaching the same uh, zone. If they both keep losing, that's why I think this game is so big for both. Uh, but I think this could be a strong confidence boost, especially to go back home and play, uh, play the Falcons the week after that. That I think is where you might start to see Javon Holland and Brandon Jones break out a little bit. Otherwise, I mean, the, the bottom out seems to be coming with these two. And, and Josh, speaking of bottom out a little bit, Jerome Baker, I think he might have had his worst game as a pro. It seemed like he whipped on a couple tackles there throughout the day. Yeah, and I don't know how much of this, again, you see people saying they're just asking so much of Jerome Baker. I think he's out there almost, what, you have 89% of the snaps here. I mean, he's all over the field, but you're asking him to you know, do some of those things against the run. You're asking him to get the players lined up and then you're asking him to go cover a, a running back out of the backfield. And I mean, for as much as we like Jerome Baker, as much as we see the promise there, he was never this great, you know, player in pass coverage. And, you know, I mean, for how many years have we, the Dolphins struggled in covering, you know, the running backs and tight ends out of the backfield. So uh, I agree with you, man. Definitely one of those down games for him. Landon Roberts, same thing, played 60% of the snaps. I mean, you have it sitting here best. It ain't, he ain't it chief. And it just makes you wonder, you know, I hate to go back to Bernard McKinney, but he was a true inside oh, no, you linebacker. Don't. You don't hate that. Okay, I don't. I don't. But I mean, I do because <laughs> I truly don't know if he would have made a difference. But the Dolphins need inside right. linebacker help. Tampa carried the ball 25 total times on the ground. Jake for 121 yards rushing, had one touchdown. Obviously, Leonard Fournette led the day with 12 carries, 67 yards in that one touchdown. I thought that, you know, they were a little bit better against the run. But again, Jake, it was the secondary that just got absolutely picked apart. They look like Swiss cheese out there. Tom Brady, 30 of 41. For 411 yards, he threw five touchdowns. He's had that 62-yarder where Antonio Brown just, you know, outran everybody. I don't know if you saw that TikTok, Jake. I'll have to send it your way, but it was absolutely hilarious. Um, you want to see more out of these guys, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. Those guys are making upwards of $30 million total. I mean, yes, they were banged up this week, but to have a, a marquee matchup against a Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, they fell pretty damn flat, man. And this is what you really get paid for, right? This is why you build your team around the secondaries for matchups like this, where you can maybe not win, but keep it close, right? You think that if the Dolphins can get the Bucks to punt, what, twice there in the second half, that 45 to 17, I think looks a lot different. And man, one of those Antonio Brown catches, it looked like he caught it and, and just started flying. And it looked like he was driving in the fast lane and Nick Needham was like an 80 year old mother driving her Honda Civic in the lane to the left and just let him fly by. It was kind of crazy to see how they were just running through that secondary with ease. And then Josh, I do want to bring up the fact though, it kind of seems like in a way, and, and people might get mad that I'm going to say this, this seems like the best way for that turnover streak to end just a kind of dumpster fire performance where maybe it's the wake up call to start that new turnover streak, because even if they got a turnover in this game, it would feel a little dirty. I think to kind of say that the streak is still going. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of that game that we maybe thought it was going to end. We needed those turnovers drastically, and they just didn't come. I have the numbers written down here, Jake. Antonio Brown caught 7 of 8 for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, 7 of 11 for 70 yards. And Mike Evans, 6 of 8 for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Um, John Ledyard that covers the Bucks said, per PFF, Dolphins opted for mostly Byron Jones on Mike Evans and Xavier Howard on AB with Nick Needham and help in the middle of the field on Chris Godwin's. Uh, we saw Evans drop that 22-yarder. That would have been a big play. Just overall, though, again, Jake, we mentioned they were banged up, but just you're paying them all that money. And when you sit here and you think about just how much further ahead this defense looked and how, you know, during the offseason, I was thinking, you know, maybe this offense is holding back the defense, holding back those good years. I mean, yes, again, it was Tom Brady, but 
they got their ass kicked, man. And, and I think this is why a lot of the blame went from last week to being Chris Greer, not being able to land these draft picks or this and that to now almost slowly starting to shift to Brian Flores and some of the focus on him, because when you're a mastermind, you know, quote unquote of defense and you go out there and can do those things that we've seen his defenses do to lay an absolute egg and get your ass whooped, you know, in a game where, again, we thought our backs were against the wall. It's unacceptable, man. Josh, this is like a cloudy vision of the picture. And I, that's why I think this Jags game is going to be so important because I could see it kind of going both ways where the, you know, the city crumbles, everything's in ruins and we're, you know, panicking for our lives. Or I could see them kind of come out and reignite that flame and kind of punch the Jaguars in the face a little bit. That's why I think this week is going to be so interesting. You add that to the fact that Tua is coming back. I'm, a, I'm as hopeful we as hope, I can we be, hope, Josh. Right? We hope. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, this is a 17-game ride, and, and I, we can't call it quits after five. That's just not how it works. So we're going to keep things moving here, Josh. Two last things I want to talk about is, one, it frustrates me to living hell that the Dolphins took another five-yard penalty just to have Plarty punt it. And then I think that was a horrible decision. I think uh, the Bucks still got it on their 20-yard line, and, and that just didn't work out at all. Um, and then finally... I just think Polarity might have been the wrong decision. After the last couple of weeks, we've seen some bad punts. I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. That might have just been me hot taking at the moment, but that's kind of where I feel like it's going, where uh, Matt Hawk was kind of the better guy out of the two. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I think a couple of podcasts ago we talked about it. So, I mean, I'm not sitting here. I can't really say one way or another who's a better punter, but I do think, you know, Matt Hawk looked, you know, at least to, to my eye, to the untrained eye, you know, as the better punter. Jake, I think the one thing we do have to talk about with the whole Tua thing before we get off the air, I don't know if you want to throw your thoughts out there, but we all saw over the weekend uh, one of Tua's trainers getting a little bit pissed off after the game, kind of giving his kind of giving his input on what he thought about Brian Flores. I just want to know your thoughts on that because, again, with Tua Tungvaluwa coming back in this lineup, you know, having your trainer publicly say things negatively about your starting quarterback really isn't the best. He's saying it like that week is like the biggest. Yeah, it, it's really not the cloud you want hanging over your starting quarterback's head as he prepares for a must-win game overseas in London. Josh, and that's like the biggest uh, question mark for me about this entire thing. Why is he doing this now? Why is he getting frustrated in a game where the Dolphins offense from start to finish looked probably the best it has all season long, just their ability to move the ball. I know the point total doesn't really equal up, but I mean, when you consider the garbage time this team has dealt with i don't know how you're not tweeting this after the bills game i just don't understand uh where he's really coming from here especially with Tua coming back this kind of just adds that other spotlight and then i think he went back and deleted it all so i just don't know if it was someone who was too deep into his emotions or he read a tweet that kind of pushed him the wrong way but this is a little concerning and if you know there's a lot of money in this game. There's a lot of money in these franchises. I just feel like this would be a horrible time to come out and say something like this when your quarterback is going to have the prove it year of his life and he's going to have this opportunity starting this week. I just feel like that kind of begins things on a sour note. I don't know. No, yeah, I completely agree. I just felt like we almost had to talk about it. And yeah, um, 100%. And I guess, you know, I guess it's not really some breaking news because I think we all kind of thought, you know, Brian Flores isn't really this player's coach or this, you know, we can tell he's a hard ass behind the scenes. You know, we kind of knew there was yeah. some uncertainty or, you know, I guess people rub the wrong way. But again, when you have your trainer coming out and speaking out about your starting quarterback, it's really not what you want to hear leading up to game week. But if Tua goes out there and plays well, he does all the things that we hope he can do. No one will even be talking about this before we end the podcast, Jake, Joe Shad 
Uh, Dolphins have been outscored on average 31 to 16. The Jaguars have been outscored on average 30 to 19. So what a teaser for our uh, for our Friday <laughs> show between the Dolphins and Jags. Because, you know, Jake, if they can't win this, then it's just time to throw everything out the window. And I guess at that point, we just hope for this whole thing crashes and burns and they bring in Joe Brady or Kellen Moore or Biennemi, whoever we, whoever the flavor of the moment is that week. Josh, if they lose this game, we're going to have to get some skits going in order to get through the season. Uh, it's going to be a, a dark pathway if the Dolphins go down that. I'm not ready to say it yet, but that statistic really kind of summarizes the fact that we feel like the Dolphins are a lot better, but they certainly need to prove it, and they need to certainly prove it soon. Otherwise, the season is going uh, to be lost. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I know things seem a little dramatic at times. We're trying to kind of walk that fine line. This is a one in four team. You cannot lose four games in a row in the NFL and think everything's going to be okay. Uh, however, there are still some positive things. I think the offense is going to be exciting. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk more. Hopefully we'll have some idea of who is going to play. Uh, but again, Josh, we've mentioned it before with Brian Flores. When things seem positive, usually it's a sign that things are about to be really negative in terms of injuries. So I guess we're going to just have to find out on that one. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But again, guys, Dolphins are one and four. Plenty of football left to be played. So, you know, as down as this podcast may have been, there is some hope out there, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finside Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the 